Hi and welcome to Defining Boundaries, a podcast about the interesting characters from our surveying and spatial industry and their unique perspectives on life and our industry. I'm Peter Cox and I use my 25 years of contacts as a surveyor and teacher to dig deep into the lives of others. Each fortnight, I delve into the life and times of people from all over the world who share the same profession and passions. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel, like, comment, feel free to share with your friends. Do you have a question about the surveying or spatial industry? Or would you like to join me for a chat? Or would you like to hear from someone in particular? If so, send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram and we can catch up. Welcome back for part two of my chat with Dr. Glenn Campbell from the University of Southern Queensland. Grab your drink, sit back and relax while we finish our chat. Do you regret your decision to become a surveyor? No, no I don't know what I'd, what I'd do instead. I, I think um, I'm a bit of a bush lawyer. I think maybe like like I teach I teach land law. I think yeah. if I had another life, I might yeah I might give the law. I think I might have, maybe it's a romanticised view. Maybe be a barrister. Like I've got a, a colleague who's a who's a QC, and I really I love the way I love the way she thinks, mm. and 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 I've. She's really changed the way I think over like we sort of sit next to each other at board meetings for probably been about eight years or, or now. And so and so I've got my my inner Darlene going on. And it's a, it's a different, it's a different way of looking at the world and, and the way she can pull stuff apart to get down to the essential truth. Yeah, okay. And I think that's something I I do reasonably well myself. Mm-hmm. I can imagine myself doing that, but but it's not it's not all rump hole. <laughs> but um, I could Nothing perhaps agree on that. <laughs> yeah, but but really the the surveying thing is that's why all older surveyors are crumpy because we get into the gig because I used to like you know going outside. Yeah, and, like I would never if I'm now stuck in an office and there was a period there I was an office with no window and I was going to set up a webcam so I could look at it, but. But you know, like even when it comes in the in the uni gig, any excuse for a field trip, you know, like that's the the, the research I do in, in water quality remote sensing that involves mucking around with boats, and that's you know that that's where you you come and find some scientific reason why it's essential to play around on on lakes for a while. So um, <laughs> there, there aren't many jobs that that do allow you to get to get out and about. And and rural cadastral is is great, just mm. yeah, in amongst the well, maybe not the forest, at least where it's clear enough so you can see. But but you know, like you're seeing goannas and birds and and stuff. So yeah, that's 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 great. I wouldn't want to. We got some some students who do lots of high rise stuff. I'm not sure I would have ever have been like the engineering. Yeah, yep, they, they can have that. Yeah. Um, because because everyone sort of really wound up like cadastral surveying. People think they're in a hurry, but they're not. 
because we know how how slowly the whole tiling thing thing grinds along. So yeah, so that's and and mine surveying as well. I couldn't mine surveying. You've got to keep too many people happy at at once. There's a whole bunch of little jobs, and you know you you're probably pissing off eighty percent of the world at any given time. I'm not sure I particularly like that. But Some that people try. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that that's what they like. Good like luck like to the, them. the excitement and and the noise and the big machines and, mm. and I, I don't mind seeing a blast periodically, but um, yeah, I couldn't do it uh, full time. But yeah, I'd, I'd be a surveyor again if I had to. Mm. I think the the curious thing though is even though I did nothing with it, I do the physics degree again. Because that really, like when I noticed I was different when I came to surveying because of the discipline of doing the maths and, and physics, there's a way of splitting open the world in which that, that primary scientific training gives you mm. that I've continued to apply that to all parts, all parts of my life, being, being surveying or people or all the rest. There's a great discipline in that, that thinking which has made me a different, a different sort of surveyor, and that's where I noticed I was different from the other guys I was at. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah it, that's it's always unfortunate when we have. Uh, at the moment, we've got a federal government that, that just looks at uh, education just as uh, as a utility, a utility thing as as, a, as job training. Mm. I think yeah, I think you miss out on what people could be and you you see the fact that odd people end up in, in, in odd places um, because they've got a different sort of head and then you go and look at well, where did that head come from yeah there is about to, doing something hard there's a discipline in it, which is why i always like mathematics about like <laughs> had a math teacher at school sorry and, sorry one second, one second. You really are a surveyor. Why is that? I, I like mathematics. <laughs> um, oh, but it's less so. Like, ask, ask you, like, you don't need to be as uh, numerate as you did in the past because no. the machines are doing a whole bunch of thinking. Yeah. And I find students are, uh, like, I'm probably out on the distribution maths wise, but. Um, but they're not as they don't have a feel for, for what's going on. Mm. The, um, and I think it must be a, a bit harder to, to know. But but I don't I don't see one of the queer things when we did some stuff a while back about talk asked our students who, who had enrolled what they'd studied at school to get an idea of because everyone goes, oh well you've got to go interact with the geography teachers and blah 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 blah. When you actually looked at the data, there was a much stronger correlation between doing PE at school and studying surveying than it was to do geography and come to study surveying. Wow. Well, it's an indoors outdoors thing. And, and you look at a room full of young surveyors or students, they're all kind of sporty, sort of buffy yeah. you know, men, men and women. There's, there's some who are there in the, in the glasses and, and kind of you know, might read fantasy fiction on the weekend, but, but by and large, they tend to be outdoorsy, which, which are driven to, you know, physics was another strong 
indicator of, of mm -hmm. I guess that's the maths bit, you know, physics and PE and geography was not a huge, a huge precursor. And partly when you look at, say, Queensland at the time, 800 students would do geography, whether, and seven and a half thousand would do physics. So if you're going to go recruiting potential students to surveying, you're better off interacting with the physics. Mm. Yeah, the Physics Teachers Association and the geography. But, you know, it's one of those weird things that no amount of data changes people's minds about um, what, what, what to do. Yeah. Because we did a bunch of stuff with trying to, to grow the amount of students and we went and got some data and it ended up being counterintuitive and they just ploughed on regardless and went. Because yeah, one of the things it indicated was that actually, you know, school teachers have very little influence on course selection from, from students. Yeah. The, the student, the teacher's opinions is is very very limited. Okay. But you can you can hook into the teachers, and so people seem to concentrate on talking to teachers. And you go, well, okay, yeah, you can achieve something there, but it's unlikely to be actually be effective in what you do. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather fail at trying to do what we should do than succeed at doing something that we don't want to do. Yeah. That's kind of you know, like a philosophy about uh, arguments about counting CPD points and stuff. Yeah. It's really easy to, to count the PD points, but what you're actually interested in is not whether someone showed up, it's what they learned and how they applied what they learned in their workplace. And that's really, really hard to measure. Yeah. So it's really easy to measure CPD points, so we do. In, in many jurisdictions, it's hard to measure what people are doing day to day, so we avoid that. Mm. I'd rather mm. fail to measure what I'm really interested in than to measure really accurately what I'm not. And so that's that's part of the, the view north of the border about how our annual registration works. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> not being rude, moving on. Um, <laughs> Shutting him up. Well, Go then. back to my question. Yeah. Um, no, it's been really, really interesting so far. Um, going back to your career, who, who has had the biggest impact on your career? Um, that, the, the, I mean, I listen to people. Um, <laughs> there, there are... <laughs> oh, oh my god have i actually stumped you in something <laughs> you're missing the underlying arrogance which is me no um i like influence that there are many people who have have taught me taught me stuff um which is sort of different from influencing or there are people whom you look at them and you go, okay, I'm going to try and steal that aspect of aspect of you. Yeah. Um, so you know, the first surveyor I worked with, um, uh, John Bowman was he, he was really good in a sense of he was um, you know, wouldn't 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 speak much, but 
anything he said um, tended to be gold. So, yeah, so you, you listen, listen to, to what he said. Um, so he was a, a good guy for me to, to kick into. Um, and I mentioned Paul Midson when I worked on it. I had, had a lot of time for, for his um his way of way of doing it and he was a very you know a very i think gentle might be the word but yeah like a like a really really nice guy um there's another one of the directors steve green that i butt heads a lot with but when it came to reinstatement it was in clarifying my thinking because i knew i would have to argue with Steve actually made me think to to actually to clarify my thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was whilst it wasn't pleasant, and I have said that to him, it wasn't pleasant at the time. In retrospect, <laughs> it, it was a really good way to 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 develop. Um, and Ralph and, and Gundy were oh, just 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 a nice guy. He, the the magic magic line he had is, you know, the older I get, the worse I measure, the better I reinstate. <laughs> and um, he's, he's right, but that, that's part of it. Um, but even getting to the uni, we had had a, a former dean, who was deputy dean at the time when I first showed up. I didn't know who he was. He was just a guy I used to sit and have lunch with. Um, it took me like three months to work out he was actually my boss, but, but he was, <laughs> you know, uh, Professor Rod Smith. And, and he was, you know, like I'd call him, in academia circles as you know like i think he's he's kind of he's wise you know like he's had yeah. an international yeah. reputation all the rest of he's now retired but but i did the the smart thing and in not when you first show up in a bigger organization just watch people don't don't pass any opinions on anyone to anyone because you don't know what the interactions are and, yeah. and who's your mates and, and so just sort of watching him and what he had to say um he was he was really useful um yeah so so they're all people i've learnt off i'm not sure i'm easily influenced because i'm a bit a bit pig-headed so yeah there's heaps of people i learn off and and around the board table like i mentioned uh, darlene skinner who's who's mm. one of our community reps um uh, John Carroll, who was the complaints convener for a long time, you know, John's thing was okay. Always when dealing with discipline matters and, and all the rest. So what's the end game here? Well, what's what's the likely outcome? So I still still channel my inner John Carroll periodically and just think, okay, where where are we going with this? Yeah. And so you can pick up bits and pieces from people. Um, yeah. Our is now retired Russell Pribinar, who was the um, director of land survey here in Queensland for a long time and also on the board. You know, Russell was one very, very thoughtful and it, um, it was never over till the board men spoke. You know, he, he always he always spoke last in anything and, and he would be one who would just listen to everything ticking over in his head and go, um, Right, I have you thought about this, and so so he he was he was good um, mm -hmm. in, in doing that, and I did I do uh, miss them, but they've been replaced by other people at the board. I'm finding it hard to get off the board, um, but that's that's another another problem. Um, but yeah, like it's 
so really the, the board thing's been a, a great experience over the years for meeting heaps of people within within surveying mm. and learning mm. learning off people and just seeing how it's always been very very corporate collegial decision making in that you have all your arguments and then you resolve okay what's the outcome for this yep everyone's on board then you know there's never been a case of which you might sometimes in committees about sort of politicking or, or all the rest it's it's this real feeling that you know we're all stuck in it together trying to do um best we can to to apply this act and so that that's always that's always rewarding and and um and have a chuckle along the way mm. yeah so so heaps of people i learn off you know like piani says my i did there's a guy richard feynman who was a he was a physics a physicist and and he was a great communicator and and his his feynman lectures on physics are are famous for the the science communication thing. I read his autobiography when I was young and this, I think his first wife is dying and he had some problem and she said to him, so why do you care what they think? And that like struck me as, as a young fella as a really useful insight about there's probably, if I'm really honest, outside my children and my wife, I don't care that much what other people think. Yeah. Which is which is a freeing thing. They might agree with me, they might might disagree with me, but I don't I've never shaped what I say on the basis of um, I want to comply with like I'm quite contrarian in in most things. And yeah. that, so that <laughs> that might come from an outrageous ego and and um, and arrogance which would be another excuse for it but i think a lot of it is going okay in the end you've got it you've got to live with your live with yourself and it's more important to say what you think is true than it is to say what you think is is popular yeah that's got me into a lot of trouble <laughs> Yeah, putting people aside because they actually say it as it is, or, or yeah, not yeah. I'm, I'm telling you what you need to know, what not what you want to hear. <laughs> um, Paul Keating's got that. He's got a great line. Something along, you know, you know, the measure of a person by their enemies. You know, you evaluate the person by who their enemies are. <laughs> um, I, I do like that idea because because <laughs> There are some genuine, and I know some genuinely lovely people around, but it could be terrible to get through a whole professional life without any enemies. Mm. It feels as if you'd never... That sounds... Cut that out. That, that sounds terrible. But, but you know, look, there are, there are things where you do have to go, yeah, right, we're, we're going to plant a, a, a standard in the stand here and, and, and die under it. So it's picking your battles. Um, yeah. And there, there are no doubt there, there are people when my time time comes to go, probably won't pop into my funeral, and I'm fairly comfortable yeah. with that, as opposed to the there's there's a greater body of people in which I think um, 
Hey, we will so, be there. <laughs> just to make sure I'm dead. Maybe, <laughs> oh, what's the uh, what's the best work advice you've ever heard? Um, best work advice or leaving out at Feynman, and I read that. Um, that one, which is in your professional life, 80% of your worst problems will talk back to you. Mm -hmm. I think that, that's a good one, that, that there's no technical problem as bad as a person. Yeah. Um, God, that's so true. Yeah, and that's work advice. I think one of those I hand out, <laughs> best advice I ever got about raising children was never take advice from anyone whose youngest child is more than two years old. <laughs> and that's the only piece of advice I ever hand out. And that's dead right. Because you forget so much, even between our children, you just forget how, how the whole thing, whole thing works. Um, so that's not really work advice. Um, yeah, just... You've thrown a few out there. But, but it's kind of gone, you know, you can never know too much. I, oh, I think yeah. in work, you know, like, like I actually got a message from a, a student who finished doing my landlord who's um, from today, he's, a, he's an exercise physiologist and he's just finishing his surveying degree. And so he's got to practice with his wife and, and they're having a audit from the NDIS today. Mm. And he sent me a note going, you know, the, the, the landlord of work because the auditor had never done an audit where the person she was talking to was able to quote the legislation back to her. <laughs> she said, obviously you made, you, you made an impact because, you know, I'd read all the legislation beforehand and, and was able to correct her on some things and so that helped in the audit. Um, so, yeah, I think you can... You can you can never know too much yeah. and and you do like i get a frustration with like i do a whole bunch of the final interviews and assessments for people coming for registration and, and they might do something and you know they're doing a control um adjusting gnss control and they've got tbc or lycra or whatever and, and you, you just pick at random you know so why did you put this number in? And the good people tell you. Mm. The poor people go, oh, it's we always use that. Well, that's the default. You know, ne never any computer program never affect never accept the defaults. They go find out what they all what they all mean and, and what they're doing. And you'll probably end up using the default, but you do it in is it um do the investigation. Yeah. Lots of people sort of sleepwalk yeah. kind of through 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 life, and um, don't kind of like, like I was I was being a bit facetious when I when you did the intro bit about pulling stuff apart as a kid, not quite so good putting it back <laughs> together. Um, but but I've always wanted to know why. Yeah. And yeah. I found people, and it's probably. All those people I mentioned when you asked about influences, what was good about them is they're happy for you to ask them questions, but they would go, um, 
yeah, it's this because this, and then you can go and look it up. We'll, we'll won't just go, no, no, you've just got to do this. So it'll explain why you've got to do it yeah. and yeah. where in the regulation or, or why we do it. They, they have the knowledge about why they're doing stuff. Um, my wife says that um, she ended up going out with me. She was the first man she'd ever met who said he didn't know. And like, like, in a, like everyone else, like I was the only one who had never would never make stuff up would just go i don't know i, I someone who does and so that's um so yeah but don't bluff don't bluff if you don't know say say you don't know but don't have to bluff by actually knowing yeah so i went into my first <laughs> the first job that i got with that attitude of if i didn't know the answer i would say i don't know yeah, don't, and, and it's like, like you, you say, the graduates and stuff, you're going to make mistakes. The real thing everyone will hate you for, like, like people will tolerate graduates making mistakes. Don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. Because that'll make you really unpopular. Like, like everyone accepts we're all learning and we're all going. It's, it's not having the wit to having made a blue to walk into it again or to go and find out why that was why that was wrong and and mm. not seek feedback um yeah i think that's that's probably other good advice about or ask the question yeah mm. all right you said you like to read is oh, it always yeah. just history stuff or oh a bit of bit of everything bit of comic comic fantasy um i'm getting my eyesight gets worse. It's it's harder work to read, so I might do a bit a bit more YouTubing and and all the rest. But um, you know, reading reading's good, and it's really it always helps. Like the more you read, when it comes to writing, I think the yeah. more you read, the like we can see so many students write really poorly because they don't they they never read beyond just just for work and just for yeah. Reading. I keep trying to tell my kids about my boys and they don't listen to me. Yeah, my all my girls read. My son hasn't been a big reader. Um, and I probably, I wasn't really bookish till maybe sort of early 20s. Mm. I started reading, started reading more. Um, but yeah, um, historical fiction, lots, lots of non-fiction. That's, that's my... Kind of reward whenever I fly somewhere to go into the bookshop and and buy and there's heaps of really good um, you know popular historical nonfiction about and so when you've just got oh, I've got to buy a book you end up reading stuff that you wouldn't otherwise about you know okay how how did Genghis Khan manage to take take over the steps and and all these <laughs> other things and. So it's fairly fairly eclectic um, things, and like a great one of the podcasts I listened to is a guy doing the the history of England, and we're up to episode three hundred and something, and he's, he's just up to yeah. Elizabeth the third. Most of it just goes in one ear and, and out the other, but um, but but he's a good he's a good podcast because he puts a, a deal of personality in it and yeah. little size, but. Um, yeah, stuff like that, and you just retain little bits, bits and pieces, and 
and you start sort of putting some stuff together about why the world is the way the way it is because you can never outrun your history no that's true very and true so, and, and i do have a single journal publication in an archaeology journal and we had um the anthropologists had got funding up to a place called mine island um just out where the burdekin comes out into um, the bay or Cape Upstart. There's a whole bunch of, on one of these little islands, a whole bunch of indigenous stone arrangements. Oh, okay. No one kind of knows what their purpose were anymore because the people who have now got made a title of the area, the, the indigenous people around there had been removed to sort of Palm Island back, back in the day and everyone had sort of had come from from a whole bunch of you know familial groups and sort of intermarried and and they lost the connection so so mm -hmm. the um the title holders were working with the anthropologists to try and work out what the what the purpose it was clearly ceremony because it's 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 on this island and it's a small island it's got no fresh water sources very very little food so yeah. people were going there just for, for ceremony and they have, you know, some people have suggested they're, they're fish traps, but they're not because what's really curious is, is they, um, the higher, like they finish at the highest tide. You know, like you can pick where the tide is, is yeah. you don't have the stones anymore. So me and a couple of students spent a week up there with the GPS I think we located 10,000 stones or something because part of the problem is there's all these intricate patterns and then people will rock up and go, oh, great, pick them all up and spell out Dave was here on the... <laughs> so, so we mapped them all so the Indigenous Rangers can go and put them back in the, in the same spot. Um, well, that would have been so. really, um, really cool to go and do. Yeah, it was interesting and, and talking to what, what I was struck by in that outing is, and, and I had the same with some of the Indigenous guys used to live around Gundy, you'd have a chat about, in some circumstances, the, the while people are generally um, westernised, how the, sort of the, the older religious or cultural things still have real real power in people's lives like I, I was struck before we went onto the island they they did a bit of a, a, a smoking ceremony and marked us up with ochre and all the rest and and that was fine and and I was, I was sort of the time I suppose perhaps unfairly thinking I was something for the tourists but but when we started going the guy driving one of the boats suddenly stops and then turns around ties up the boat while we all wait runs up the jetty up the top does a couple of laps through the smoke and then marks himself up with with ochre and you go okay like that's a real that that's something real going on there that it modifies your behavior when it's inconvenient when it would have been so much easier to to go on um and so yeah it's, it's interesting how that and talking to the the anthropologist so he does a lot with um uh rocket rock art and and the way and talking to the guys about how and the it did like how the landscape has such 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 meaning about um, like anything that, that that looks um 
anything when you look at a landscape that's that draws you in will have some sort of cultural or spiritual mm -hmm. connection around it. Um, and uh, I guess nice guys to nice guys to chat to. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun week in a caravan park at, at Early Beach. Or, oh no, not Early Beach. The only was Early Beach at um, Home Hill. I think we were in. Oh, nice. Never um, done anything like that. Oh yeah, we'll we'll find something for you. Okay. Oh, I said it. <laughs> I've really missed out. Those, those same people do a lot of work in Papua New Guinea, and they found because one of the things as, as, when it comes to dating Australian rock art, especially, is, is we don't have a lot of when you go in Europe in the um, the start of of all sort of rock art, they're all in these deep limestone caves, and and we tend not to have those within Australia. So a lot of the, the rock art is probably is is very exposed and so it wears out a lot quicker. But but they've been, but at the time that, that we have the original indigenous occupation of Australia, you know, time immemorial, whenever that was, um, PNG was actually part of the Australian mainland. So so they've been sort of playing around up there where they have much more of these sort of rock cave systems that, um, and they ran across one where like the, the, the PNG guys there are going, um, no, all this stuff was here when we got here. So it's a whole rock face with, with a whole bunch of, I think they're circles in um, ground into the, into the stone. Yeah. And, yeah. and they went in and I think he had seven meters of cultural material so you know like when you get when people drop drop stuff so they've got seven meters worth of occupation they've got to work through so they've got a big grant wow. to do that but they didn't need any surveying on that one so i'm deeply disappointed huh. it's, it's the time the time scale when you start looking at um the indigenous occupation of of, of australia is like i like history and so my mum's Scottish so last time I was back all the time before my cousin and I went up to Orkney and, and so you're walking around Orkney and they've got uh, Neolithic ruins and Scarabray and stuff and they're like four or five thousand years old and you go oh geez that's old and then, then you just just think back home you know the indigenous culture yeah. <laughs> Five thousand years ago is yesterday in yeah. the terms of like a 50, 60 plus thousand year occupation. Yeah, and then we go to Europe to go looking for old stuff and it's crazy, and isn't it? This, yeah, this living culture is sitting in front of us um, that that we've we fail to recognise mm. quite often. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. It's there's so much to to learn. Yeah, and um, there, there's actually a, another really interesting stone arrangement just north of Toowoomba that was, um, uh, I think, another a, a ground for ceremony. They've got a borer ring there, and and there's a whole bunch of other, I guess, totem animals mm -hmm. shaped out in stones. There's snakes and emus and and all the rest. And and um, I, I kind of got into that when I was doing my PhD at UQ. An email went went round about uh, 
does anyone know anything about surveying? Because they've been <laughs> they've been mapping all these stones of the total station, but they are archaeologists, so they've never set a backside. Oh. So, so they had like six years worth of data all on different orientations and, um, and tried to sort it out. And, and we got lucky, it's just by accident, every time they set up, they were, there was a bit of fence line. So, so at least like, like they, had, they had their points, they had these pipes in concrete for their, their stations, but mm. they, they wouldn't be orientated every time they picked them up. So um, so I sorted that out for them and, and that, that was good to go and have a look and, and sort of have it explained to me. And this is just on the doorstep in Toowoomba. Yeah. Just, just in the back there. They're, they're trying to get up um, the local guys, some sort of interpretive centre. But, it, but it's curious in that one in that a lot of what they know about that came from, again, when they had the forced removals one indigenous fellow was was employed and so he he was not taken away to Sherberg or, or wherever they, they took them. Mm. Um, and he as he got older he explained it to the landholders. So within the landholders family they, they kind of had an idea of, of where it'd come from mm. as they again try and work out once people come back after that displacement about what all these things mm. add up. And you read, like I, we touch a bit on native title within the land law course. I mean, you look at the lengths you have to go to to show show that connection. You know, like, like we really ask a lot, a lot of people, and it's just really interesting to to go through some of the determinations and, and seeing the, the amount of scholarship that's got to go in to to prove something that everyone everyone knows in the first place. That's, yeah. Oh, gosh. I feel silly asking the next question now we've talked about all this really interesting stuff. <laughs> going, back, going back to, to selfish questions. <laughs> I was going Again, to. That's a bit about if I hadn't been a survivor, I wouldn't have had those experiences. Yeah. And and surveying when it comes to archaeology, apparently if if you want to you're really in demand if you want to volunteer on these digs going around the world. You know, like like you don't charge them, but they'll keep you and you'll pay for a few weeks oh, and wow. see some, see something because they need people with those kind of those kind of skills. It's probably a, a down and out age the measurements getting easier and easier. Mm. Um, so, so maybe there's less of a need, but um, yeah, it, it's it's good to be useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like rather than being a tourist, when you're actually part of something like that, um, you know, it, it just takes time, and and you have conversations sort of sideways with people, or or over a beer in in the evening that you wouldn't have no matter any number of you know, mm. tourist trips or or other stuff or books you'd read. Yeah. Gosh. All right, your, your next question. What motivates you? Well, there's mortgage. There's a lot to do with it. Yeah. I, mean, I, got, I got in deep trouble once with a guy um, as a work Christmas party. Um, 
who I, I, I think he he wanted to be like he was a surveyor and but he wasn't then you know, wasn't registered didn't have a cadastral endorsement and maybe had some sort of chip or something but he said you know the best part about surveying and I said every second Wednesday when the check clears <laughs> really really deeply offended him it's a reality like I like surveying it's a great way um, it's a great way to make a living yeah I wouldn't do it for fun it's still mm. it's still work so so yeah money motivates us and um, but I, I like I like novelty I like the sense of of getting somewhere I like to be useful yeah um, probably much much to my detriment I'm like like research wise I'm too much of a, a magpie you know like like I think to, to progress in academia you need to find your thing and and bring every possible little publication out of every data set and and I don't have the discipline to, to mm -hmm. do that and put on the guys who can um, so so novelty is probably one of my motivators but it's yeah, it, it probably stops me progressing in an academic career, but I'm not particularly worried about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, motivation. Money, oh, money, well, money, money. <laughs> uh, just, just useful. Yeah, you know, like, like you go. It's kind of like you know, kind of when you look, when you play sport. I've never, you know, I'm never going to be an Olympic athlete. I'm going to be a professional, but. I like the idea that when you rock up, people go, oh, good, plenty. Yeah. You know, like that's a, rather than, oh, oh yeah, who else we got? <laughs> you know, like that's, like, like to, be, to be at that point, in most situations, me showing up is an improvement. That's not all, but, but most. And, and I, do, I do like, I would like to be thought of that way and being, being useful. Being and useful, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> rather than. And, and it's really hard to know um, in some circumstances, if you hang around too long, you stop being like that. Like mm. I've always got concern about how long I've spent on the, the Queensland board, that there's a risk that if, if, if I fall asleep, I'll just stop, stop thinking critically, even about what I'm doing and yeah. just go and think, okay, I've got all the answers and, and all the rest. There's, there's a risk that comes from that. And so you need renewal. Um, so yeah, yeah so. I want to get stale. Yeah, it's just sort of stale. But you go. If ever you stop listening, you're always going to be in trouble, because even you know like that that thing about a, a stop clock is is even right twice a day, or out, out of the mouths of babes. So that you do have to listen to people, even though, you know by and large, what they're saying is of no great merit because at times they will run across, oh, that's not something I've, I've thought of or, okay, that, that's a really good, really good point. Mm. And you, you can only do that, you can only do that for your benefit and everyone else's benefit if you do engage with people seriously and, and legitimately. It's, it's like when uh, when students have complaints or students do feedback from their whole thing. I, I hope they realise we take it as seriously as we do. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. You've got to do a bit, we'll say it like the Olympic diving, toss out 
the really big compliments toss out the really heavy sledges and, and the truth is in there somewhere mm. uh, and that that's in all, all things we do and it, it's often it's a bit hard when you recognize um when you can when you become intimidating to people that they won't they won't say what they really think mm -hmm. that that always gets dangerous it's you got to really try and be approachable but there's but when you're not like i am at heart an introvert and so and i've kind of got a resting bitch face so 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 people tend <laughs> people tend not to chat to me on like my mother's the opposite she's plagued by people Everyone I talk to my mum on public transport and total strangers will mm. tell her her mm. whole life story drives her nuts. But but I'm I'm the opposite, you know, like I I don't do small talk and I probably look much much generally look unhappier than I actually am. Um, and so I, I imagine people who don't know me would have a different view from um, from afar from the reality, but that's the, hmm. Uh, I've never been, I've never been able to to get around that. Uh, yeah. if, oh. if you try and force a smile, you just just look like you've got terrible wind or something like that. Oh. In general, the students are not shy about pointing out my my failings, and so God love them. This, so I get to point out theirs, so theirs fair. This this conversation has not gone anywhere where I thought it would tonight. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm oh, sorry about. No, it's fine. Don't negotiate <laughs> with terrorists, Peter. Don't ever negotiate with terrorists. I'll just watch out for that resting bitch face. <laughs> I'm a conversational terrorist. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure? <laughs> I heard today. This is. I was listening to a podcast with. Do, do you know, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, David Mitchell, the comedian, and his wife, um, Corin, what's her first name? No. Anyway, she, she was talking about that question about your guilty pleasure, and, and mo most people's, you know, guilty pleasure is, oh, watch Downton Abbey, and, you, and she's going, well, what's, what's, what's to be guilty about that? Yeah. And apparently her husband in a in like a magazine article or something said uh, uh what's your guilty pleasure and he and he replied i like to have sex with prostitutes <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine their face to just to throw a bomb like that sorry that that was just i was i was out doing some exercises and that was on the podcast um my my guilty pleasure um guilty pleasure would, would mean, like, it, it's hard to be a Catholic without dealing with guilt a bit. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I, I must have them. Um, <laughs> Being a Catholic, yes, there must be something in there. <laughs> no, I don't. I used to, I used to laugh, love drafting plans. It's probably not something to be guilty about, but I, I used to to like turning my chicken scroll because I had terrible handwriting into CAD drafting. There's always uh -huh. pleasure in that. I, I used to collect 
antique maps until I started collecting children. Um, but that's probably, there's probably nothing guilt, guilty about that. Um, How many children do you have? Four. No, oh, that's not too bad. Oh, we, we had a, a, a fifth die um, at, a, at a late stage. So, yeah, that's. Oh, I'm sorry about that. You're getting cold. <laughs> I was just was wondering about dinner, I think. Not <laughs> a bit late. Um, yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, so antique maps, I'd love to, mm. I'd love to have bought the ones I should have when I was younger because mm. of what they're worth now. But I always like the, like maps that look like they've been used. You know, oh, yeah. not the really yeah. colourful sort of ones. I like ones with scratching on them or, or drawing and stuff. I like kind of like me, you know, not pretty but useful. And, and the maps are kind of the same. But, um, yeah, it's an expensive, expensive hobby, but I've got some a few around the place. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's probably about about it. I'm just kind of fairly easily. I'm easily pleased. Yeah. I will, have, uh, I will have like the same thing for breakfast every day for 10 years. And <laughs> uh, yeah, Diana's less, less keen on that. Uh, you just go, sometimes you just, you think every morning I have a bag with some strawberry jam on it. <laughs> all these exotic jams, all the stuff you can get. And no, no, just give me strawberry jam. You're a simple man. A simple man, yeah. <laughs> Bagel and strawberry jam. How do you like? Pretty exotic for a oh. for a white a white bread Australian <laughs> middle aged man. Bagels are pretty exotic. Um, Not if you have it every day. <laughs> no, no. Well, uh, how, how do I relax? Yeah. Um, oh, sleep. Like I, I've never suffered from insomnia. There, there's no point in my life I couldn't lie down and have a nap. Oh. Like it, it, it's, a, it's a trick. Um, yeah, oh, well, like mostly the relax is is reading, yeah. watching and watching and playing sport. I do, yeah. I do like to, um, okay, I do like to walk a lot uh, if I can. I'll mm -hmm. make a choice to walk somewhere rather than than, than drive. Um, yeah, like like that need to relax a lot because I don't get super well I don't get super wound up maybe um but but yeah like just take take it slow uh, like I've not never been a huge PJ O'Rourke has got he writes a bit about uh the humorous boys distrust any occupation that involves buying new clothing and, and I think that's that's worth to go by. Yeah, I, I would hate to be some people you go and, and every enthusiasm they bought all the gear and, and their cupboards are just full of small enthusiasm. And um, so, yeah, I like, like keep, keep it simple. Simple man, I told you. Yeah, simple taste. Simple taste. Would you rather have a get out of jail card or a key that opens any door? 
Yeah, jail. Hopefully, I wouldn't want to get into jail. The keep opens every door. Oh, I don't know about that. That's the thing you never. Um, listening at listening at at doorways, you never learn anything to your advantage. You know, like some yeah. Sure, you you'd want to be able to open every door. Um, but yeah, probably a get out of jail because that's. Hopefully, if I was in jail, I would be unjustly accused. <laughs> You'd be able to talk your way out of it. Oh. Well, I don't know. Like, like it's an insight. Like, as, as my daughter's been doing her, her law degree and, yep. and inside in, and I've read a few books. There's, there's a good book, The Undercover Barrister, an English guy, trying mm -hmm. to talk about how under pressure the whole criminal law system is. And, and I think we get more because it's a hard thing they're doing but but just under time and stuff I think lots of people do end up um, doing time maybe not maybe not for the crime they were accused of, maybe for something else they weren't accused of but, but yeah, um, yeah it does happen mm. if you see a puddle on the ground do you walk around it jump over it or jump in it Depends what shoes I've got on. Um, <laughs> no, how much Aaron Williams cost? Wouldn't walk through puddles <laughs> in a pair of RMs. This, this, this is my faux country that, that I've stuck in. They're a real, they're a really good shoe. Haven't had a tie shoelace for twenty years. Um, right, I, if you could back foot, what would you do? It's taken all the fun, but anyway. Oh, yeah, I'll probably jump over. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think so. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Superpower. Not grey hair. Um, <laughs> have, I don't know. Like, it'd be good. I've stumped you. Yeah, clearly flying. I think it, it would have to be, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm still a kitty when it comes to I'll take the window seat. Um, <laughs> you now, like, like we like all our maybe guilty places. We've got a, a colleague of mine. Um, I don't know whether I can say his dirty secret in public, but he's a professor in remote sensing and and GIS, and and he says the truth is I just like the colours. <laughs> I like the colours from a classified map. <laughs> so that's, that's what drives him is, is he likes the colours, which is very very honest. Um, yeah, I think I think flying would have would have to be. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. At a party, where would someone find you? Oh, at home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I would be on the veranda or in the kitchen. I would certainly not be in the centre of it. Yep. I would be on the edge. I, I can't. I can't do small talk. So <laughs> I'm. I'm liable to get some some poor sufferer, and end up yeah doing doing big talk. And it's always <laughs> good sometimes when you some places. Well, everyone's being polite. You can't buy an argument. Mm. But, but like it's good. Like like arguing is is a useful useful discipline and I I think myself through 
through discourse and, and through discussion. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but talking about the weather, no, not me. <laughs> Certainly a long way from the dancing and the noise. That's the COVID would, would have been fantastic if we'd had COVID when I was 19, an excuse, you know, my clubs are all sit down, no dancing, you beauty. You'd know, be in your element. An ironclad excuse. <laughs> would you make the same choices again if you had a do-over? The same choices again? Oh, yeah, by and large. Mm -hmm. I married really well. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you do that again. And, and it's really, you know, like if I hadn't met and married my wife, I would be an entirely different entirely different person yeah um you know i am the man she made um yeah i think i'd you, know, you wouldn't do everything again but but you don't know how other stuff no, would, have, would have turned out and and most of my life has been a rolling accident you know like, like you'd go and look oh well okay go and do uh, oh well, what what's the what's the point in doing your physics degree you should have go back and did surveying straight out of school. Did surveying straight out of school, I would have been a different surveyor and I would have been, and I wouldn't have gone into it having 12 months of bashing pegs in and, and training and all the rest. And mm. yeah, so uh, I think so, so far so good. Yeah. There are some, you know, there are always some things that probably, <laughs> if I could have unsaid, that would have made my life life easier, but by and large, things are pretty cool. And it doesn't matter anyway, does it really? Oh, in the long run, we're all dead. Yeah. What the problem is say? Well, that pretty much sums up um, the big questions. Not the that I think I, I actually asked many of them. Um, I want to run through a few quick shots with you. So yes, no. Yeah. Hot cold. Okay. Okay. Oh, right. So it's yeah. just straight off. Give me an answer. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cat or dog? Uh, cat. Sunrise or sunset? Uh, I'd like to say sunrise, but probably sunset. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, summer or winter? Winter. Roller coasters, love or hate them? Um, truth, indifferent. They make me giggle. <laughs> I, I, it's same. I went bungee jumping when I was in New Zealand, and just my reaction is, it's obviously it's it's a fear thing or something. I just break into these endless little pointless giggles. It's such a funny reaction. <laughs> oh, that would be funny to see. Three items you would take to a desert island. Oh, uh, so it's nowadays, yeah, okay. I'll see a Kindle for something to read and a really long extension cord. I guess that's because you've got to recharge it. Um, I have the, a ball of some sort. I suppose you'd, you'd make it like a tennis ball or something just to, just to keep yourself occupied. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That'll, that'll do me. Okay. Favourite song? Favourite song? Oh. 
Oh, did we have have all? If there's the stuff on high rotation on the on the iPod. Um, there are guys guys called Red Gum, which are like Australian folk from okay. back in the nineties. I like their um, Only Nineteen was probably their most famous oh, one. Yeah. Got a, they're a really good one, Diamantina Drover, which mm -hmm. is about a guy, an old guy on a train. Um, and I did I ran into by accident. I was in Hungary at a at a conference, a conference, and talking to an English guy who said, "You know, Nick Cave's playing here tomorrow night." Oh, and I went, no. "You're kidding!" So, so he and I and some guy from Belgium, there was a music festival on. So the next night we we got a cab out. Um, so Nick Cave played, but before um, when we were walking around, before he came on, there was a know whether they like like Irish Irish kind of punk, but I think they might be American sort of pogues like stuff or blogging okay. mm -hmm. Molly. So that was like a real uh, revelation a few years ago. Just just part uh, that stuff you stumble on and thought, oh, these yeah. guys are really. So that was uh, yeah, that was a good good night out. Very cool. Um, much because it was unexpected more than anything else. <laughs> it's always good those nights. Favourite movie? Favourite movie? Oh, he's going to be appalled by this. Probably Kenneth Branagh's Henry V. Oh, Shakespeare's Henry V. Kenneth Branagh. Few, mm -hmm. few. <laughs> I started, the, there's a whole speech before Agincourt. Um, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. And, and it's, it's about, because the English are outnumbered and Shakespeare's thing about, you know, like there is nowhere I'd rather be than be here and and to take this battle on for the glory of England and blah, blah, blah. I was going out, we had a grand final, we used to open in, in Gundy, the grand final, playing, I'm about to swear here, um, playing <laughs> cricket and walking out, opening with, with the other guy, I can't remember who it was. And started Shakespeare's speech from Henry V. We few, we happy few. And he just looked at me and went, You're fucking weird, Campbell. <laughs> well, yeah, going out to, yeah, yeah, I probably would have agreed with that at that time. <laughs> yeah, like the, the Shakespeare stuff, I can't, you can't read, oh, I can't read Shakespeare, but I'll go and I'll watch it. Because yeah. after a while you get the cadence of the, the language. But mm. you know, like it's, it's Henry V entirely propaganda, but really good propaganda. Mm -hmm. You've answered this already, but I'll ask it introvert or extrovert? Yeah, I, I'm uh, an introvert in, in the sense that um, I don't get energy from other people, I get mm. energy from squirreling away. Is your glass half full or half empty? Oh, it's three quarters empty. <laughs> I'm a pessimist by by outlook, and and Diana, God love her, is such an optimist. We travel really poorly together, um, but between One thing, us, we, we've got a reasonable human. <laughs> One thing you'd never do again. I'd never do again. Um,
If you had a warning label, what would it be? Oh, Chris had this earlier in the year. I can't remember what it was. Look, don't. <laughs> but she had a warning else. label for you. No, no, <laughs> we, we did a similar thing for students to introduce themselves yeah, okay. to ask for, for their research project to, to find a supervisor. And, yep. and we as supervisors, potential supervisors, did one as well. Mm -hmm. I think I, I probably said something like, uh, don't tell me you use the defaults. <laughs> something like that. Who knows you best? Oh, I'd be my wife. Don't yeah. know, I think. Yeah. What was your favourite subject in school? Um, yeah, it would have been maths or physics, mm -hmm. I imagine. Favourite childhood yeah. memory? Favourite childhood memory. Um, I like going to so my granddad. So he, he he died when I was I was young, and and there were five children, and the youngest the youngest son, he ended up having the school like an, uh, the the farm, a magnificent three hundred and twenty acres of of desert salt pan in, in Inglewood. Um, so so he was a bachelor. So so going out like at Easter, we'd go out to to mm. Tom's farm. I always enjoy that. And there's a smell of a even when I go back there, I've got. My dad's brother lives there now. Um, just, just the smell of the, the grass or something. It's yeah. Always a place with good stuff in, in general. Yeah. Favorite food? <laughs> Trifle. Oh, <laughs> mushy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So, so the last few years. For my birthday, my daughter's just made, they're giving up on a birthday cake. I just make yep. a birthday trifle and put candles in it. And I just start at one end with a spoon. <laughs> Favourite drink? Uh, actually, fruit cup cordial. I was about to say beer, no, but somewhere it's really hot, fruit cup cordial. Pet peeve. Not a sophisticated oh. palate. <laughs> Trifle and cordial. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a real man. <laughs> What's your pet peeve? Oh, pet peeve. Um, people who are proud of being ignorant. Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing attractive about and like to get to get political, say the whole the last election we've seen in the US, there's a whole bunch of, you know, like, like I think, yeah, the world's a really complicated place, so there aren't simple answers. So educate yourself about why there's why we just can't do simple stuff. Mm. Win the lottery or have the perfect job. In the lottery, because you can spread it around. The thing is, there are so many things you'd like the way that you'd like the world to be, 
but you can't do anything about it because no. you've, you've got limited resources. And yeah. It'd have to be a really big lotto win, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> no, no div two with, with a supplementary. That's <laughs> a, one of those eye-watering ones. That they, mm. they feed it to you over 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest fear? Biggest fear? Oh, to be honest, probably dementia. Mm -hmm. Or the the real fear is, you know, there's what I say, and I've said this to people before. I've actually got quite a strong internal sensor. So what I think that doesn't come out of my mouth, you've got a rough idea what that's like. <laughs> so I, I have this ter terrible fear that, that if I get old and start to lose that, that I'll be nasty to people. Oh yeah. Um, and like I don't I don't think I don't think I really am, but you know, like people oh you know, people who are rude to waiters and, and yeah. people in yeah. shops and stuff, you just go, Oh dude, what a dick. <laughs> you know, like, like especially you know, the way the waiter's likely to be doing your open heart surgery in fifteen years time as it going through human but one, like, like the, the least you can do from people who are doing um, poorly, poorly paid paid jobs um, is, you know, just just be, be nice to people. And I have a terrible fear that I'll, I'll end up in some sort of nursing thing and I will not be a, a nice, cuddly granddad to the, the people who are forced to um, mm. take care of me. Hopefully, yeah, I will. Of that. Yeah. Favorite sport? Yeah. Now that I've dragged <laughs> you down. <laughs> no. Um. Oh, well, come, comes and goes. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, um, pretty Catholic in taste. So rugby union at, at different periods. Uh -huh. I probably like football, uh, soccer because I can still play it. Like, I'm not silly enough to try and play contact sports at 52. Yeah. So the fact you can still still get around it, and I've always followed the the Premier League and and stuff, and and that's that's good. And, and cricket's always a great great way in the summer. Much more more of a Test cricket than a, a 2020 thing. But, oh. Yeah, yeah, I could do the 2020, but not the not the Test stuff. <laughs> Proudest moment. Proudest moment. What aside from the. The birth of children and all the rest. Oh, birth yeah. of children. Oh yeah, that that's that's an. You've got kids, haven't you, Peter? Yeah, like that's that, right. You know, it's just an extraordinary thing, and and like they're they're a source, they're a source of both pride because because I like them and, and when they achieve stuff, but but often you're. You're really proud of them in when they they're, they're principal. Mm. You know, like they they make in their age they make principal decisions or or they do, you know they do what you think is is the right thing rather than the easy thing. Yeah. So, so it's easy to be be proud of the children. So I guess it's chilling around there. Dream car. Uh, Commodore. Yeah. No. Stop making. It. I'm not not really a car. A, a car head. There, there are means to a means to an end. Way of getting somewhere. Favorite color. 
uh, probably my mother just would always dress us in blue as kids, so that's probably a habit. So I've got a lot of blue. I, I tend to, I'm not a big pastel dude, mm. like dark, dark block colours, I guess would be. Uh, <laughs> Apple or Android? Oh, Apple had a hat, like once you're, once you're stuck mm. in there, it, it's hard, hard to get out. But I know it's a bit of a, a bit of a toss. But. On a scale of one to ten, how cool are you? How what? Cool. Cool. <laughs> I am. I am not cool. It's a, it would be terrible to be fifty-two and care about being cool. <laughs> I, uh, the definement thing. Why do I care what what you think? Yeah. You know, like, like when I go and exercise as a as an overweight fifty two year old man getting around, you know, blowing like there's no oxygen left left in the world. You can't be cool doing that, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, I'm not not here to impress you. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely a one. What's your star sign? What's my what? Star sign. Oh, is this turned into tinder is it yeah. um uh i'm virgo I think. yeah virgo september just tells me a lot about people anyway <laughs> oh <laughs> tells me you're gullible Peter. that's what it tells me oh no 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 okay. <laughs> anyway well, i'm done i'm done, <laughs> done. right i <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I've had, um, I've really enjoyed listening to your stories. It's, it's, no, I have. Don't laugh. I have. Before we go, I know you're not yep. a big social media person, so all I can say is we can find you on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Do you have any causes or anything that you would like to um, sprout promote on here? I usually put a little thing in there at the end and oh uh, something about undoing Australia's appalling treatment of refugees I think would be a good one okay there's, there's some really simple things we could do not to be international dicks I think yeah if I was to call a cause yeah that would be uh, yeah awesome yeah. it's a good start Hmm. All right. Well, thanks so much, Glenn. Um, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, that was a, a quick hour. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the editing, Peter. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you enjoyed part two with Glenn. Stay tuned next week for another exciting guest. Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox.